0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Freedom Talks. Uh, Today, we are uh, pleased to have uh, Liz Miracle on the podcast. Liz Miracle is a board-certified women's health clinical specialist and owner of Miracle Physical Therapy in San Francisco. Liz has been an assistant clinical professor for the UCSF SFSU graduate program in physical therapy since 2010. In addition, she created content For and taught certification courses nationally for the American Physical Therapy Association's Academy of Pelvic Health for five years. Liz was involved in in the product design and continues to be involved in exercise program development for Kegel, the first smart pelvic floor trainer. She is excited about her new role as future Bay Area Clinical Director for Origin Physical Therapy slated to open this year. When not practicing PT, Liz enjoys jumping on the trampoline or swimming with her three and a half year old daughter and running in the open spaces of Marin. Um, On the other end of things, uh, Penelope Van Austin, who is a physical therapist for Freedom Physical Therapy, um, she's going to kind of help me ask uh, Liz questions um, that are kind of more specific to um, women's health and she's obviously got a little bit more knowledge than I do. Uh, about that, so she's going to help us out today. Penelope has been a PT for 18 years. She practiced for her first 10 years in San Diego, California, where she saw a diverse patient population in hospitals, nursing homes, and outpatient sports clinics. For more than half of her time there, she had the opportunity to rehab the city's lifeguards and law enforcement rescue teams. Since beginning her career, Penelope has taken extensive advanced coursework in manual therapy and optimizing body control and function. Her treatments encompass viewing the body as a whole system when treating an injured area. Her extensive background allows her to successfully improve the quality of life for patients suffering from chronic pain conditions. She also has a strong experience in neurological rehab, sports medicine, orthopedic care. Penelope has joined our women's health team providing women's health services for pelvic pain, incontinence, lumbar, pelvic, and hip dysfunction, prenatal and postpartum care. In addition, she has been trained in skilled, trained and isn't skilled treating temporomandibular joint dysfunction. In her free time, Penelope loves traveling and spending time with her husband and two children. So after those uh, intros, we obviously have a lot of expertise on the call um, in women's health, and that's what our main focus is going to be today. Uh, Liz and Penelope, how are you guys?
1: Feeling great. It's raining a little bit here in San Francisco, unusually, so Uh, a little bit of a different well, it, I, I'm pretty
0: sure it. it's all of like five degrees here in Wisconsin. Yeah. So exactly. exactly. <laughs> actually
1: some nice January
2: sunshine behind us. Um, it. It is, is rip, so,
0: it like is sunny cool. out. That is the only <laughs> thing we've got going for us right now. Um, all right. Well, as far as, uh, the, the topic today, our, our main topic is going to be the Kegel product that, um, Liz, uh, helped develop and, um, Penelope is obviously going to help me ask questions about that Kegel product. But first, um, we had the introduction, but I really want to get to know Liz um, and and about your uh, physical therapy company and about your mission with Women's Health and how you got into Women's Health and why that um, has been kind of the primary focus of your, your treatment.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I kind of came into Women's Health down a circuitous path, I think, I don't think most physical therapists enter PT school thinking that they want to be a women's health therapist. Most PTs were in sports, injured themselves, got physical therapy, decided that they wanted to be a PT, right? So I started out my journey thinking that I was going to be like a PT to the NBA. That was my goal, (laughs) like when I was in high school, Um, because I injured myself playing basketball. That's how I came to physical therapy. Um, But through a course of events, um, I kind of, I, my best friend's an obstetrician. And she called me up one day and she had a patient that had pelvic pain. And she said, Liz, I can't find anything wrong with this woman, but I know that she needs help. I'm she may, Do you know anything? What could we do? And I said, you know, I think that there's some people that do that. I got one lecture in PT school. So why don't you find one of them? Um, and she was in Ohio at the time. And she said, you know, I've looked and there's nobody. You have to do this. And I said, well, first of all, even if I get the expertise, I'm not going to be ready. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to help this patient in time. Um, but she kind of started selling me on it. And kind of the closeness that you have with the patients and that really intimate relationship and it turned out that my boss at the time had been a women's health therapist before she went into management and she had all of the what's now called the Academy of Pelvic Health to the American Physical Therapy Association back then it was the section on women's health. Um, She had all of their journals and so I started just reading them and I got really interested in it and then as I started practicing it and working with women um, it just it really kind of filled that desire to connect with people in a way that was different than orthopedic for me, um, just because they were telling you more intimate things about their life. Um, and it just, it was extremely rewarding and still t- still is. Um, in terms of, you know, what I'm doing with my company and kind of my transition to working for Origin Physical Therapy, and San Francisco, which is an LA based company, um, is really just trying to provide women's health to more people. So my clinic, as of right now, Miracle Physical Therapy, I've been running for about 10 years, has been a cash-based clinic. Um, I haven't taken insurance, which means that it's not as accessible to as many women. Whereas Origin Physical Therapy takes insurance and they're looking to really expand in a way that makes it available to everybody. And that was one of the things that got me interested in Kaggle in the first place, was it's a biofeedback device that's direct to consumer. So that means that people who are living in rural areas or areas where they couldn't find women's health PT, just because there aren't as many of us as I would like for there to be, um, this was kind of an an opportunity for them to try to get in touch with their pelvic floor muscles, strengthen in a way when maybe they didn't have that one-on-one relationship with the PT. And what I'm finding now is that it's extremely helpful in virtual care. So because of COVID, we were all kind of thrown into virtual PT. And in women's health, that's particularly difficult because um, if you're doing orthopedics, sure, you can watch somebody do a squat on the screen and give them tips on how to change it or kind of talk them through a a special test that you wanna do to figure out what their impairment is. But you can't see the pelvic floor muscles because they're inside the pelvis. Well, technically you can see them, um, some of them from the outside and what they do, but I don't think that anybody is going to crawl up to a camera (laughs) to show you that. (laughs) So I'll often have patients like describe it for me when they look at themselves with a mirror. Um, But having a device like the Kegel has actually been a, a game changer for me because I can have the patient use the device off camera and then they can share their phone screen with me, so I can actually see in real time what their pelvic floor is doing on the Kegel screen, and it gives me a really good idea of kind of of where they're at. Um, and then I can help them along their exercise path because there are like programmable functions for the for the Kegel in the app where you can actually decide how long you want them to do their holds for, how many you want them to do, how many reps, um, if you want it to be a graduated increase in strength and relaxation. Or if you're really focusing on that relaxation, you can tailor it to that. Um, there are programs within Goal that are just games that you play that are fun and kind of just <laughs> keeps you engaged. So oftentimes I'll give them a specific exercise protocol that I want them to follow. And then I say, you know, if you have a little extra time, just play one of the games because it just keeps them engaged to have something that's that's fun to do. Because I think that's the biggest complaint from people is that pelvic floor exercises just are really, really boring. Um, and they're just laying there counting <laughs> most of the time. And then they really don't actually know what's happening inside of their pelvic floor. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of that that full circle joining Origin because I wanted to access, um, want to have access to more patients. Kegel's been instrumental in that as well for me.
0: So just, just quickly to uh, get Penelope uh, kind of on to the podcast for the first time. So Penelope, how did you um, get interested in working with women's health. And I guess I I can say it should be pelvic floor health, right? Like men can obviously benefit from this as well, but.
2: Yeah. Um, Liz, I couldn't agree more with your kind of how, how we start in this, right? I think especially those of us that have been out for a while now, um, pelvic floor rehabilitation was really not anything that we got. I got two lectures in physical therapy school on it. (laughs) So, um, my focus was always orthopedic sports medicine. I was injured as a gymnast, um, found PT by way of a shoulder injury and, um, just wasn't in, fell in love with the profession. Um, I, as an orthotherapist, um, my treatment philosophy really is one of a comprehensive. I, if somebody has an ankle injury, I a lot of times I end up treating the neck, you know, or the pelvis. or I'll come and kind of go full circle with the patient, and it was really a natural um, kind of progression for where I would go next. Um, the pelvic floor is a collection of muscles, and we as physical therapists treat muscle dysfunction and movement dysfunction. And why should those muscles be excluded? Um, they really are so important when you're trying to fix a movement dysfunction in a lot of people. And a lot of people really don't, they don't know that it's an area that can even be addressed. And so I think um, I was finding that a lot of uh, it's more more so in women, um, 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 I think maybe because they're more vocal about it at times, but they really were suffering from conditions that could really be affected with physical therapy. And I think that my interest really, really peaked when I had my first child um, nine years ago. And I had a pretty traumatic experience. Um, uh, by all accounts, the birth was normal and, and um, you know things went well, but he was positioned in such a way that it was a pretty traumatic um, fallout of pelvic floor dysfunction for me after he was born. And um, the options I got from my OB at the time were, well, you could try a couple Kegels and see how that goes. And if we can always just do surgery. And I was 36 at the time and I was thinking and a physical therapist. And I thought this, there's gotta be more than this. (laughs) So um, fortunately I had some good resources and um, just being a therapist was able to know how to access my pelvic floor efficiently. But I will tell you that if um, many women that don't even know how to access the pelvic floor, if they would have come out as dysfunctional as I was after that birth, I they would not have been able to do it on their own. Yeah. So that really, for me, um, was kind of a, a turning point where I wanted to just expand kind of this ortho world that I was in and, and, and really decide that you know this is, this is part, it's all, all part of the, the musculoskeletal structure of the body and should absolutely be addressed. And Liz, I love that you, um, how you are talking about how this product um, is really gonna make this more accessible for women that don't have a lot of the access. To it. So um, that's really interesting. So thanks for sharing
1: that. When I was hearing you talk about your story and, and having been a gymnast to start with, it makes me think that you probably had some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction before you ever gave birth. I have so many people who are gymnasts um, just from the repeated jumping and landing that have um, pelvic floor issues and we don't address it. And then they go into birth at a deficit, right? And you were able to rehab yourself on the other side of it. But you know, we should be taught where our pelvic floor is when we have that first obstetrician visit and they're doing a pap smear, you know, like if, if that's our entry into learning about our bodies, why is there no information being given to us then? Sorry, that's my little soapbox. So I,
0: I, <laughs> I have a question about gymnasts specifically. So, um, we've worked with, a, a, I guess a company that, uh, does all of these gymnastics meets and, um, cheer and all that stuff. Uh, What age, because I mean, a lot of those gymnasts are starting very young, at at what age um, is that first OB visit and um, what could maybe they do at a younger age to help some of those gymnasts um, kind of know about those issues beforehand so that they can prehab all of those muscles and prepare themselves for all of that high impact, uh, intense exercises and flips and tricks and all that stuff?
2: Sure. Sure. Um, as far as a first OB visit, I think that that's, that's pretty variable. Um, and that may have changed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So I think, um, around my age, it wasn't normal necessarily for a first OB visit to occur, you know, really until you got out of the pediatrician's office, unless there were some heavy precipitating problems, um. That might be earlier these days, Liz, you might be able to speak to that. Um, But in terms of just education, um, I think that that could actually start with pediatricians, um, especially because they're the ones that are really the touchstones for any of these children really until they're 18. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they can get their their sports history, their activity history, history, um, health history, if they're having problems with jumping and maybe um, leaking some urine during activity. That's certainly something that I think um, the pediatricians could bring up with parents and that can be a conversation there. And then from there, pediatricians can give them some education and even some resources uh, with where to go for physical therapy on that. And Liz, if you have any information more, maybe if you work with a younger.
1: I don't. And and I really think, you know, it's, it's hard because I'm only looking at it through my lens, right, I grew up in Texas most people don't visit the obstetrician in, or a gynecologist in Texas until they're sexually active or there's some other, like you said, a precipitating factor. Like, um, I, I mean, I, I will, I'm TMI, that's kind of at origin. That's what we talk about is that there's nothing that's TMI. Um, and when I was a freshman in college, I was under a lot of stress. And I started bleeding a lot, menstruating for, I think I had been menstruating for about a month um, and it wasn't stopping. And that was my first visit to the obstetrician. So, you know, in California, may, you may have um, young women who are sexually active much much sooner. And so their parents may be taking them because they want to obtain birth control. It's it's really never usually because we know you're a hurdler or a gymnast and we need your pelvic floor to be checked out. It's usually, usually has to do something with something that a, a physician is, is looking at. But I can guarantee you, my daughter knows how to labor her vulva, anus, <laughs> and we talk about breathing into her belly and relaxing her muscles when she has a poop. So that, those are things that you can start out with, with young kids at a young age. That being said, the Kegel is not for pediatrics. This is for <laughs> adult women. Um, and you can tell uh, by the size of it, it is, is not something that you would want to insert vaginally into uh, a pediatric patient. So this is really with more uh, adult women in mind.
0: So uh, getting into the Kegel specifically, Um, you were part of the development, or at least that's what I'm reading, right? So um, where did the idea of this product come from and um, kind of what led to the development and how did you get involved? It's
1: kind of a cool story. So the Cagle was already in development when I joined the team. And I had separately been trying to do the same thing. So in physical therapy, we have these biofeedback sensors that have cords that come out of them and connect to these giant systems that cost a lot of money, um, or they connect to handheld systems that are difficult to use. And I would have patients come in that have been given a system by another therapist. And they're like, I don't know how to connect it. I don't know how to use it. None of of this makes any sense. Can you help me try to figure it out? I'm like, well, it it is a little bit confusing. This can be difficult. This home device can be difficult to use. And so what I wanted to do at that time was just to take the sensor, the pre-existing sensor and figure out a way to connect it to an iphone so could i get an app on a phone and use this sensor so that people could you could make it just easier to use um, and th- so i had a friend of mine who knew a lot about arduino technology and was trying to work out how to disassemble one of these sensors and work it out for me um, and he was like i don't i don't think that there's a way to use the current sensor that you guys are using in your market to do what you're looking to do i think you need to create a whole new device Um, And my ex-boyfriend was a Stanford design grad, design school grad. And so I knew that he could connect me with the design school um, list of people. And so I reached out to them and said, is there anybody interested in developing this with me? And I got in contact with an engineer who told me it was gonna cost $100,000 to create one prototype. I did not have $100,000 to create a prototype. (laughs) Um, And so I was lamenting about this to a patient. And she goes, oh, I know somebody who's doing that. Would you like to meet them? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I said, of course. <laughs> yes,
1: very much so. Um, and so, and, and I was, and I was hesitant. I will tell you because um, the, the, the two main engineers working on this product were men. And I thought, okay, here we go. These are going to be two guys who are trying to make a product that is all about creating like an improved tightened vagina for um, male penetrative intercourse, right? And I just don't want to go down that route. Um, I don't connect with people unless their mission aligns with mine, um, which is really to be like a female centered care. And uh, after speaking with them it, you know, and hearing their stories, they were both married um, to women. and these issues were very important to them. Um, one of their wives has since had two children, uh, which I just got some pictures from um, their snow days <laughs> this week. So um, it's been so fun to be connected with them that they are, that they are these allies of uh, you know femininity. And I would say my husband is in the same, the same boat. Um, So it's, you know, there are a lot of men out there that support women and want to create products and devices that are helpful to women. Um, And they knew that it was vital that they have somebody in the space that really um, knew the physical therapy side of it in order for this product to work really well. So they weren't interested in just setting something to market that they could, you know, that they could market and they could say um, worked they wanted it to have some beef behind it. So, you know, we really sat down and looked at algorithms in terms of like, how do you actually improve strength and hypertrophy and muscles rather than just throwing an an app out there that where you you play a game with your vagina and we don't really know what the outcome is supposed to be (laughs) of that game. Um, And so just getting to know them and realizing that their mission mission was aligned with mine. um, We started sitting down and looking at what they had developed so far and talking about whether or not certain pieces of it were appropriate or not. And, Um, It ended up being a a really excellent product with different features that um, work for different women. Um, I can remember one of the things that we talked about was there is a motor inside of the device that vibrates. It's a haptic biofeedback. So when you squeeze, it vibrates um, in increasing amounts in relationship to the amount that you're squeezing. So, you know, it's... A lot of women will say that's feels like a little too much like a vibrator. It seems to be a little off putting for them when they think about using it. If you really hate it, you can turn it off. (laughs) So you you don't have to do it. Um, and I always explain to people that that's, what's going to happen when, when we use it together. And then they usually find it extremely helpful because they can actually not just see on a screen what's happening with their body, but they can feel it inside of their body. Um, And so there's one of those motors internally in the device. And then another one, there's a little paddle that exits from the vagina and then comes up kind of over toward the pubic bone. Um, And that also has a a vibration component to it. And originally, I I did not like the fact that it had a motor in the external arm that came up over the pubic bone, because I thought that it would be too stimulating to the clitoris because of the position for it. Um, And it would be distracting for women. And I can tell you that from experience and from working with many people, that that is not something that happens when you turn on both motors. And in general, usually I recommend both motors for people who after birth are a little bit insensate. So they're not, they're saying that they don't, um, they can't, they actually really can't feel what's happening inside anymore. Everything just feels much too open and much too loose. Or when they're having penetrative intercourse, they can't. Actually feel their partner anymore, or if they can't feel the device inside of them. So turning on that second motor on the on the outside gives them a little bit more feedback because we're we're tapping into different nerves than what's happening deep in the viscera. So it's 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 one of those things where it's like when you, the more you get more people to the table, the more ideas that come up, and you can challenge one another. Um, but also ultimately, you end up with a better product when you have people from different backgrounds working on things. So I was. Grateful that I was outvoted on that one um, yeah. because it, it's a device. It's a feature of the device that I think is actually uh, very useful.
0: Did what were you three the final team that kind of put that together? Or did you guys bring anybody else in?
1: There was there was also another female engineer that was working on the on the product as well. Okay. Um, she and she helped with a lot of the design elements. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and then. So just specifically, so were you, uh, along with some of the input on the features and um, whether or not you thought those were appropriate or not and being challenged on those and working through some of those issues, was a lot of it, because I'm assuming it's not just the device, right? It's also the software that comes in the app um, and the programming that's within that. Um, And so how, I'm assuming you affected that greatly um, in terms of how the programming went and what I'm sure the games, making sure the games that you can play on that device are, uh, appropriate and that are going to strengthen the, the right muscles. Correct.
1: Right. Yeah. So that was part of what we were working on was looking at, um, the, one of the games on, on the app is called moving target. And so in that game, what you do is you insert the device and you squeeze and you hold for 10 seconds. This is what typically a pelvic floor physical therapist would do with you if they were doing a manual vaginal exam is they would insert um, a gloved finger and ask you to squeeze for 10 seconds. And then they would look at um, different aspects of your squeeze. So this device is really just looking at squeeze pressure and how how, how much squeeze pressure you have and for how long you're holding it. But it can see, okay, you can hold this squeeze for 5 seconds or you know this is this is how much pressure you can affect on the device so it takes that initial reading and kind of uses it like a one rep max Um, like we would do for strength training. And then it develops the rest of the algorithm for that exercise program off of that one rep max. So it's never, it's going to have like, there's like a little line that goes up and down on the screen and you follow the line with your pelvic floor. So that line is never gonna go all the way to the top of the scale. If you were only able to squeeze with your, um, with your squeeze pressure to like half of the scale, right? So it's working within your tolerance, but also goes to push you a little bit harder on what you're doing. Now, that particular game doesn't look at the length of your hold. So if you can hold it for five to 10 seconds, it's kind of a set game. But if I'm working with the patient individually, and I ask them to go to that screen and use the moving target screen, I can count (laughs) on, you know, with a timer and see how long that hold is for. And then I can go in and custom program, uh, an exercise for them that looks just like the moving target exercise, but it's more customized for them individually. But if you don't have a PT that can do that for you, then the moving target works pretty well. And for, and the, and the customizable program is actually relatively new for Kaggle. We just started out with the games. um, And so it has been working quite well for people without the customizable Program so I don't want people to think that they have to have a PT who can program it for them in order to use it. It's just a really nice plus side if you're a physical therapist and you have patients who are wanting to do virtual care. You can you can use that and feel like you're giving them the same type of exercise program that you would give them if it were um, just the two of you doing a manual exam at home. Um, and then a lot of it too is you know the first designer the first designs for the app that came out um, it was a female based uh, design company. And when we got the tryings back, I said, it looks like a football field. <laughs> like Literally, it was like green with like white hash lines. And that was like how you were measuring your squeeze pressure. And I was like, I, I looked at the chair. and said, was this, did a guy design this? Why does this look like a football field? I was, like, this is not going to resonate with with most women. I mean, I know that, I mean, I will say my aunt is super into University of Texas football, like probably super fan more so than any other man that's out there, but <laughs> We're not designing it just for her we're trying to make it accessible to everybody um and they were like it's a female led right? <laughs> so brought that feedback back and then they it and, and trying to make sure too that we weren't like going the other way like it has to be butterflies on the screen and pink and purple and and it's like i mean that's not how all women are right so like let's just make it a simple design that's accessible to everybody that are colors that are not off-putting that are easy to look at um and that was kind of the the thought process behind it so hey, i have a a question if you wouldn't mind.
0: Of, of course. Um, yeah. I was dip. just about to throw it over to you because I know, um, yeah, you had some questions about the product.
2: Yeah. Um, so is, is this, so Liz, this isn't meant to be able to be purchased by, um, women that might not have access to physical therapy, correct? Correct. And, and would, you, does the product or do you recommend, um, in the information with the product that perhaps they are able, if, if they could connect with a physical therapist, either virtually or in person to really determine um, if this would be appropriate. Because um, as, as we both know, there are some women that might have pelvic pain and end up having real high tone. Yeah. You know, isn't that someplace that you would go to do a Kegel immediately and... A lot. I think most women wouldn't wouldn't know that. So, what is what is your suggestion um, for how women figure out or determine if this is appropriate for them?
1: So, first of all, if a woman's having pelvic pain, we say don't use it. Okay. Right? So this is not if you have a, what we call a hypertonic or overactive pelvic floor that's tight and weak. Um, this would not be your first go to, and we refer back to physical therapists all the time because that was one of my concerns. Was like, are you trying to replace PTs because you cannot? Um, we are very vital in terms of um, our expertise and our knowledge around this. And, you know, I'm sure someday there will be a wonderful device that could ask all of the correct questions with all of the algorithms to make sure that, um, that's happening, but that's, in, you know, and we get a lot of customer service questions from people before they purchase it, um, asking whether or not it's appropriate for them. And then we'll answer it to the best of our ability, or we'll refer them back to their physician for a referral for, to PT, if that's what, um, we think is necessary, um, but you know, it's, and, and then also if they purchase the device and they try to insert it and they find that it's painful, it's automatic refund, right? Just, we're not going to take your money for something that didn't work for you. Please don't use it. Now, that being said, I have used the device um, for people who had a hypertonic pelvic floor. So they were tight and weak. They went through physical therapy. They learned how to relax, relax their pelvic floor. Their pain went away, but then they never t- took it to the next level of strengthening the pelvic floor and that's a delicate process because if you start with too much if you load the pelvic floor too much with exercise you're going to tip them back into their old ways of having a tight pelvic floor and you're going to lose ground right you may you may have their pain return or increase their pain so i like the device one because it's large enough that if as they're using it like let's say they're pain free and then they start having pain, they're not gonna be able to insert the device pain-free. So that's an automatic flag for me that we're, we're overloading the pelvic floor because it's becoming painful to insert the device. Because this is really helpful too because not all women are sexually act, um, active with penetrative intercourse. So normally you would say, hey, go home, do your pelvic floor strengthening exercises. But if sex starts to hurt, um, let me know and then we're gonna stop. But they're not sexually active, so they can't tell you that. So this, the device in and of itself is kind of a fail stop for that. Um, And you can make sure that when you're programming it, that you're giving them, if you wanna give them a two minute relaxation between a two second squeeze, you can. And you can make sure that they're not, maybe you want them to squeeze at half of their power instead of at their full power. You can program it for that, right? So you're helping to ease them back in, you're helping to ease them into strengthening. So that they can achieve full function of their pelvic floor because i think that there's this place where a lot of pts stop when the pain stops and the patients stop when the pain stops because they're like i fixed my problem and then they get pregnant or they you know or they get covid and they're coughing all the time and they realize that their pelvic floor actually isn't fully functional and i think that this is a really great product for helping to kind of bridge that that space from um, overactive into strength
2: Absolutely. Because I, I completely agree that a lot of people use pain as their marker, but once we reduce pain, yeah, you have to restore the function and that usually comes with strengthening then. But like you said, fine line that you're skating all the time with (laughs) what's enough and what's too much. So, okay.
0: Penelope, did you have any other follow-ups to that or did you have Um, any other questions for, for Liz?
2: You know, I think um, I have one that I think she's been answering all along um, about the programmability of it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to, like you said, some patients need um, when they're, especially when they're high tone and they're trying to learn how to relax, we need more than maybe a pre-programmed five or 10 second relax window. Like some, some patients might need 20 seconds or 30 seconds or wherever they may be in that. So, um Yeah, based on what you're discussing with the parameters and programmability, it sounds like that that that's all very custom, so. Yeah,
1: and there are, when you're going through the programming of it, I'm like, I can just pull it up really quick on my phone as we're talking about this. Um, It does limit the amount, there's a limit to the amount of time that you can do a relaxation or a squeeze for, but you can just add that um, element in again. So let's say you, I think, let me see what the um, limit is on it, because I don't know it by heart let's see so the rest limit is right now 15 seconds so what you do is you add rest 15 seconds you add another rest 15 seconds another rest for 15 seconds right so you just add those elements in um, or else it would be exhaustive you'd be scrolling forever um, looking at how much you have there and then the same thing for the squeeze the max right now for the squeeze is 15 seconds so if you wanted to have a 30 second you would just add two squeezes Back to back for 15 seconds, and it would just hold the bar at that at that height, and you would you could increase your length
0: of squeeze time. So with this being, because it is a, still a direct consumer product, where you can go on the Kegel website um, and purchase a Kegel. Um, how would you recommend, I guess, so if you, if you have somebody that doesn't necessarily have access to uh, a physical therapist um, in their area that specializes in women's health and doesn't get a referral from somebody to go purchase this product, um, what would you say is the best course of action for your average consumer that goes out and purchases the Kegel um, for, you know, they know they have some urinary leakage or something that's indicating them they've read online Um, about this product? uh, What would you, I guess, what are the courses of action that you would recommend they take?
1: So go to kgoal.com. That's K-G-O-A-L. So it's kind of a play on words, right? Like we do Kegels, but we don't want to keep calling it that because that was named after a man. So instead (laughs) we're going to talk about setting goals for ourselves. So kgoal.com. And you can purchase one there. And then I would start with the Moving Target app. Because that's going to give you an idea of where your strength level is. Some of the other, I'm um, I mean, sorry, moving target game. Some of the other games within the app are like increase in difficulty so there's one that's um, called bricks so there's a little paddle that goes across back and forth along the bottom of the screen and then a ball drops from the center of the screen and then you have to move your paddle left and right in order to hit the ball up and kind of eliminate the bricks at the top of the screen um that particular game requires more power to move the paddle than some of the other games um, and then there is a game called moving shapes is it called moving shapes shapes show you how much I know. I just click on, clicked on it for so many years. Shapeshift, sorry, <laughs> I don't even remember. I just like go do it automatic. Shapeshift, um, where it's almost like a reverse Tetris where these shapes fall from the ceiling and you have gates that you can open and close using your pelvic floor muscles and you're supposed to trace the shape. So in that particular game, it's forcing relaxation between the shapes because if you don't relax and close the gates between the shapes, your score lowers. So you have to actually let go and stop squeezing in order for that score to get better. So it's kind of a progression where you're improving motor control and then you're gaining more power. So I would start with the, the moving target, move into something like the shape shift Um, and then there's a game, there's a pinball game now. So exactly like you would think a ball falls and there's paddles and you squeeze and the paddles flip and then the ball jumps around. Um, and that one tends to be a little bit easier too. So if you're, if you're having trouble following moving target, it just seems too overwhelming. You can always just start with something like the pinball game.
0: And then, um, also on the cable website, I also saw that there was also a version for males is Uh, that's something you were also in, uh, helped develop and... um, Yeah,
1: it's actually a funny story. So we were um, talking about how people could use it that were not interested in inserting anything vaginally. And um, I basically just sat on it in a hard chair and started trying to use it um, and it worked. And so we thought, oh, we can totally turn this into a different um, platform where it looks more like a bicycle seat where the pressure monitor is in the center of a bicycle seat. So it's, you know, much more accessible to men, a man, a man would have um, more difficulty inserting a Kegel um, rectally than a woman would inserting it vaginally. So something with a bicycle seat that you could sit on it and then um, squeeze and relax. But in, in that case, you do have to make sure that you are lifting and squeezing the pelvic floor, because if you bear down and push out, it might give you the same reading the same is true for the K goal. So, um, for women, um, so, or I guess I should for insertion, um, because for, cis, for cisgender uh, females, uh, you know, make sure that we're using all of our terms correctly. So, um, what you want to make sure is that you're doing your pelvic floor squeeze right. So, one of the first screens that we have that comes through is a um, screen that talks to you about how you squeeze your pelvic floor muscles. So, making sure that you're squeezing in the front and squeezing in the back equally and there's not one that's more than the other and so if there's any trouble with that and you're you're having difficulty understanding if you're squeezing or you're bearing down and pushing out that's when maybe you should go see a physical therapist because you make sure you're doing the right thing um i will say sometimes the cable slips out when people are using it um and that is that doesn't mean that you have a a, a giant um gaping in Troitus necessarily, it's just slippery. And most devices like the Kegel or any other one that you would insert is going to slip out. So it makes it a little bit easier to use if you just um, pull your underwear up over it. You can still get the Bluetooth signal through your underwear and it will just hold it in a little bit better. Or you can use the tip of your fingers to hold it in as long as you're not fully covering the external paddle with your hand because the um, Bluetooth connection exists in the external panel.
2: Brady, that actually brings me to several questions that I have, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, of course. (laughs) Jumping in. Um, So one of the questions I did have was, um, is it meant to be, um, is it able to stay in place without holding it? Some devices need to be held and which can be challenging or can limit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you want to try to do this with a higher level activity like squatting or running or... What what types of activities can you do? All those higher level activities with this? It,
1: it depends on the person. Yeah. I've definitely I'm definitely able to use it squatting. So I can insert it, pull my pants up over it, and I can do squats with it, no problem. But you have to remember what the weight of it is. So I I can't speak exactly to the weight. I wish I knew exactly how much it was. I want to say 80 grams. I'm not certain. Don't quote me on that. We can talk, we can circle back <laughs> with the engineers and ask them. But so if you were using a product like a vaginal weight with somebody and they could retain that same level of vaginal weight, then they would be able to retain the Kegel in standing. And that's how I would judge it. Um, So that way you're not having a, they're not feeling like a failure because they inserted it in standing and then it fell out, right? Just keep trying, keep doing your exercises, um, lying on your back or inside lying or or sitting until you can get to that point where you can do it.
2: Right, so like anything else, you would just minimize gravity until you had the strength Mm -hmm. to do any gravity. Um, and then are there any contraindications um, like pelvic organ prolapse, um, any, any internal conditions or that, would, that you would say other than the pelvic pain, you know, that, that we as physical therapists would look at and say that this is a contraindication right now for this?
1: I would say certainly if a woman is pregnant in her first trimester and has a history of miscarriage, or has had vaginal bleeding or a history of cerclage. So that's when the cervix is not fully closed and they've had to tie something around it like a purse string to keep it closed to maintain the pregnancy. Those are instances in which I would not use the cable. So um, it is not FDA cleared for use in pregnancy. That being said, I used it in pregnancy. Um, it's made out of medical grade silicone. Um, it's about as safe as keeping your cell phone in your pocket um, in terms of the connectivity of it. Um, but if you have any concern at all, you should always talk with your physician before you use a device. Um, The thing I will say is women have penetrative intercourse all the time when they're pregnant. So this device is cleaner than that, especially if you're washing it off when you're inserting it and um, much smaller than what most women um, insert for penetrative intercourse. Um, The only thing is that, sometimes women don't use vibration, right? So you might tr- decide to turn the vibration part of it off when you're pregnant. that being said, I also don't really think that that's that big of a deal. Women use penetrative um, uh, sexual devices that vibrate in pregnancy all the time. So, um, but just to, be, just to be careful from our side, it's not FDA approved in pregnancy, talk to your physician in that case. We do get a lot of questions, a lot of the prolapse questions is totally safe to use in prolapse. So the fact that's, you know, usually when women have prolapse, they have a a stark impairment in their pelvic floor strength, right? So they may have to do something where they can manually push their organs back into their body before they insert the device. Um, I would typically recommend if they're using a pessary, which is kind of like a little, um, I I call it like an ankle brace for the pelvic floor. So it it goes in and it just kind of holds the organs up. So you might want to remove that before you go to insert the Kegel and use it. Um, but there's not, a, there's not a contraindication unless the woman is experienced, unless she has a lot of vaginal atrophy and she's bleeding, so her tissues are um, so fragile that they're bleeding and any kind of insertion would cause bleeding, then I would not use it. In that case, go back and talk with your physician about what you can do to address the vaginal bleeding.
2: And then I do have a question uh, if there's any research available, um, if there's been any correlation between Kegel use uh, with reduction of urinary leakage, either at rest or with higher level activity, and where would we be able to find that?
1: So we have not done any research on our own. Really, the Kegel device is meant to be um, something to help you stay active with your exercises. So we're not making claims that this device cures a diagnosis. We're saying that this device helps keep you compliant with your exercises. So there's plenty of research out there that biofeedback is helpful for pelvic floor strengthening. That pelvic floor exercises, Kegels, are helpful for those conditions that you've listed. So um, you know, I don't. I think it would be more about does Kegel improve compliance with pelvic floor exercises. Um, because that's usually where things drop off is that people just don't do their exercises and less about does this particular device, because it's really no different than any other pressure biofeedback device on the market in terms of how, how it works. Um, so if I had the opportunity to do something like that, do our women more compliant with use of a Cagle versus just regular exercises, that would be the research study that I would do. Um, but no, we have not, we don't have any particularly that we've um, put out.
2: Okay, yeah, thank you for it. that's um, interesting that um, an interesting take on why you would you would have developed this device and because I think that's there's not a lot of research actually that's been done, as far as I know, on what makes patients more compliant with exercises.
1: Yeah. So there, is, there was one study from a long time ago, it was like 1985 and it was an audio tape that talked the women through the exercise like okay squeeze. Two, three, four, relax, two, three, four. And they found that the audio tape did increase compliance in comparison to not having the audio tape. So I think it's like so ridiculous that we don't have anything more recent than that. But it's but it's the same concept, right? It's somebody leading you through the exercise. Yeah. It's the same reason why patients who have more frequent visits with their physical therapist do better because they're actually stepping in the door and doing their exercises versus going home and not being compliant with their home exercise program.
2: Right. Something we all struggle with as therapists, I think kind of.
1: Personally too. Are you kidding? Like I've got a kid, like I I know, you know, I'm, I am the one, like the least judgy PT you're ever going to find. You come in and talk to me and tell me that you didn't do your exercises this week. I'm going to be like, yeah, I get it. Cause COVID. (laughs)
2: life because right children and work and I yes I don't know if I've ever scolded anybody for (laughs) having a life right yeah
1: so it's it it, it it happens it's fine right so we just do the best that we can do and we do as much as we can do um and and if there's something if there's some trick like i feel like a lot of what we do as physical therapists is behavioral therapy so tying an action to some other action you're already doing so that it becomes a habit but unfortunately with pelvic floor exercise it can be really hard to tell a woman just do your pelvic floor exercises when you're brushing your teeth because Maybe they're brushing their teeth and standing and they don't have the ability to lift their public floor against gravity. So maybe you can tie it to something like, okay, when you go to sleep at night and your kid's in bed and you have that extra five minutes, that's when you do your Kegel. You keep it by your bedside, right? It lives there. So it's out, it's staring at you um, to do it. That's also where you charge your phone. So you're plugging your phone in right next to like the place where the device is. Like, Help women with those, those little um, things that they need to overcome in order to make it a habit and make it work for them.
0: Is there any other takeaway points that you would like to share about Kegel? I mean, obviously, I think it's uh, it sounds like it's a great device. I think um, we could probably even uh, maybe put some information about it out at Freedom. Uh, but uh, yeah, do you have any any takeaways or? It'll definitely any, any start finalists?
1: some conversations if you put one up at the front desk. People that- would start asking questions. I'll tell you that. Um, i would say too just that that the the size of it so there are different devices out there on the market right Mm -hmm. and they're all different sizes so um for this particular device it has a squeeze pillow in it so it's when you receive it and you open up the package it's at full inflation there's actually a little vent on the side that you can press and you can actually i mean I'll, i'll just show it to you i've got it here next to me i know that's not helpful for your podcast listeners but okay. it has a little vent on the side and then when you squeeze the pillow and remove your finger from the vent it reduces the air in the bulb so that way it's a narrower um insertion so whereas no other devices have that um so i think that that's a, a neat feature of the device as well
0: yeah and not that you would want to um necessarily talk about other competitors uh products but are there did you find that oh, I there was- not.
1: sometimes i recommend
0: Oh sure. Sorry,
1: what was your question? I was
0: just gonna say, is um, are there a, how many other uh, products are on the market? Like, what are the pros and cons to to some of those other ones on the market? I know, um, oh. we have some information posted in like the bathrooms of, uh, I think it's is it New Tone, something of that sort. Um,
1: oh yeah, that that one is like it looks like a hair dryer that you're inserting yeah. into your vagina. It's just <laughs> large. And, Heavy and I just don't see it as something that I would put on my. At least with the Kegel, you can open your drawer and shove the shove the Kegel in the drawer when the maid comes over or your daughter walks in the room. So oh, yeah. she's my my husband actually asked me to start putting it in the drawer because my daughter was coming in and trying to play with my devices too much. Um, she was like, "That's your pink thing or that's your blue thing." So um, I would say that the the other two main devices that I might recommend for patients. Are the LV and the Perifit. So LV has a great um, PR team. They, you know, you'll you'll hear about them a lot. Um, in terms of the LV, the reason why I don't use it most of the time is because it is very small. So that was one of my main complaints with the pre-existing vaginal sensors that PTs use for the biofeedback devices, is that unless you're making contact in all points of the sensor with your vaginal canal, you're not going to get a reading. And the people who need the device the most are the people who can't make the contact with the sensors. So if you're putting something really tiny into a large vaginal canal, and they're very weak, they're never going to contact with the sensor. And it is extremely disheartening to, to put something like that in it and spend $200 on it and then find that it doesn't work for you. Um, And, you know, and that's not to say that there aren't people who have pelvic pain and then purchase something like the Kegel, but, you know, you shouldn't be, if you have pelvic pain, you shouldn't be going to a smaller device to squeeze more. You should be not squeezing. You should be seeing a pelvic floor PT. So the only instance in which I use the LV is if I typically, is if I have um, a postmenopausal woman who's had a lot of narrowing of her vaginal canal but she's still having um incontinence or a a diagnosis that would be appropriate for strengthening then i would use something like the L V. but that's you know it's it's far and few between um the kegel because my population is primarily pre- and postpartum women the kegel fits them the best of the devices um, the Perifit is actually a nice size as well. It's just a little bit smaller than the Kegel. And so I think for some people might see it as more accessible. Um, and the games are nice. Like the, the screen is pleasant to watch and, and do the exercise, but there's no programmability to it. So as a PT, I can't do anything with it to make it work better for a patient. Um, and the problem with it is that the um, there's like a, a wire that exits out of it. Hold on. I have it. Okay. <laughs> My bad. Um, so there's a, at the, at the tip of the device, again, sorry, podcast listeners, but maybe you can go online and research this for yourself as well. So with the Perifit, it has, um, and an, it's like a long device that you insert vaginally. And then at the tip of it is a looped wire that connects with your iPhone. All of these devices slip out. The vaginas are slippery. So for most people, they're having to kind of hold it in a little bit you're not allowed to touch these wires. If you touch these wires, it disconnects the connection between the device and your phone. So it's extremely frustrating to try to keep it in and not touch the wires and lose your connectivity. So that's problematic for me as well. Um, But it's, you know, otherwise, again, it looks like it's medical grade silicone. It's it's an attractive product. To view, you can see that the diameter is just slightly smaller than the Kegel at the end for insertion. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're looking at that to me, the, the Kegel would be the obvious choice. Um, and I, and I know that that sounds like I'm selling my own product, but, um, I actually don't really make any money if you buy more Kegels. So it's really just about trying to get this out to people so that they can learn about it and have options. That's, that's really like, that's really all I care about is that I feel like as women, we are so underserved and. There are so many ways in healthcare in which, and, and I'm sorry, Brady, like, I, oh, you know, I don't blame you, I will say, I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't blame my husband for the patriarchy. Um, but there are just so many instances and in where things like, small things like blood lab values, right, are all based on what's right for a man and not what's necessarily best for a woman. So we have to be thinking about like, how can we increase female access to healthcare and appropriate healthcare? And how can we think about solving the problems that they have? like my mom wore menstrual pads that had a belt with like straps on it that clipped to a pad. Like I would never do that. That's insanity, <laughs> you know what That's I mean? Like mind. I never I remember seeing
2: them and going, oh my gosh, what? Yeah, so I yeah, I, yeah, I love that perspective because I, I agree. Part of what I think as physical therapists too, we really have that empathetic part of healthcare mm-hmm. and that time to spend with patients that a lot of uh, medical professionals don't these days. So we really still have that piece and I think um, also as um, as women, um, w- knowing what issues women face and how underserved, like you said, they really are, and in in some instances, what conservative treatment can do for them is. Oh. Um,
1: Absolutely. I can't even imagine how much money we say, save the healthcare system through conservative, you know, just as physical therapists across the board, right? Like right. if we're able to solve something conservatively that they don't end up going for a shoulder surgery or a prolapse sling surgery for like, Oh my God, it's insanity.
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, so I mean, that's awesome. And, and the one thing I will say is if you didn't believe in your product, I think there would be a problem, right? Like you were the one that gave all the design input. So yeah, you should be confident that, uh, that that's the best, uh, product on the market. So, um, it, it's good. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your perspective and sharing your, your story and sharing about what the K can do in Penelope. Thank you for coming on and, um, helping me ask the appropriate questions and, Uh, providing your perspective as well. Um, Any closing remarks from anybody um, or did we cover everything that we needed to cover?
1: I would just say that if any of your listeners wanted to reach out to me directly, they could email me. My email is liz at theoriginway.com. All right.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to plug, Liz?
1: No, I mean, that's, that's it. Right. Like physical therapy, come to physical therapy, try to seek out a women's health specific physical therapist. Like, even if you have an ankle injury, when you're running a marathon, like find somebody that can think about that whole body perspective that Penelope was talking about. Right. It's not just your ankle, it's your pelvic floor, it's everything. And a women's health physical therapist can do all of that. So yeah, I gave you guys the website for Kegel. If you're interested in looking more at it, um, yeah.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We couldn't agree more. Um, all right, everybody. so
1: Nice
2: meeting you. And, nice to meet you too. Uh, nice to have this um, this cold weather uh, Wisconsin morning chat <laughs> about uh, about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. So,
1: thank you. It's invigorating. It's, it inspires you to go out and do do more and like help more patients. I think.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more. With four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanagoe, Wisconsin. More information at freedompt.com.